Welcome to Booking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the firsts and lasts, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. At the Anarchy Rules pay-per-view, my broadcast colleague, Joel, was scheduled to go one-on-one with the network stooge, Cyrus. But Cyrus, after a year of hit-and-run attacks on Joel, threw a swerve into the equation. He said only if Joel got through easy money would he then wrestle the quintessential stud muffin. But acting ECW commissioner, Little Spike Dudley, brought out Kid Cash and said if Kid Cash defeated easy money, then Joel would get his shot at Cyrus. Now, courtesy of the fine folks at In Demand. Brown-nosing suck-up. We now show you easy money versus Kid Cash and then Joel Gertner one-on-one against Cyrus. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by my partner in podcasting, piss editor, UTT, Rob. Rob, how are you, mate? I'm doing good, Dan. I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm really happy because uh, a certain someone I know who uh, is on this podcast with us uh, supports a team who play in red and uh, have uh, had a major footballing achievement uh, uh, in the last week, uh, week, week or two. So, congratulations, Lee. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's our uh, biannual trip to the uh, championship time. <laughs> I think that's a bigger achievement than Liverpool throwing another trophy on the pile. My God, you didn't telegraph that enough. <laughs> I was going to say on the last episode, but you spoiled it by jumping in there. <laughs> there used to be that advert, didn't they, where you know, there was like one man you fan who was saying, oh, the, the mighty Reds who play in the... Um, Theatre of Dreams, and someone said, Markham. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been to Markham. There's nothing dreamy about that place. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Like, it was shut, I think, when I went. What, the town itself? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been out drinking in Markham before. That was bizarre. No, I think I went onto the front. I had my photo took with Markham and Wise statue, and I think that way I got back in my car and drove to Blackpool. Didn't go to the Polo Tower. It's just a big. He thought it was the Palo Tower. Yeah, the Palo. Jackie Palo's been On that note, I'm quite happy because I've got my hands on a copy of Jackie Palo's book, uh, You Grunt Al Grum, which is the like fucking rocking horse shit. Trying to get hold of one of them. Well, it was like yeah, our, 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 good, our mutual friend, uh, Tack, messaged us saying there was a couple on uh, on Amazon through a seller for uh, for about 25 quid. That's which, considering, considering the cheapest I'd seen them before, was at least double that. I, yeah, but uh, I went for it. Because they, they had three copies and they were like 25 quid, including packaging posters, and you and Tack bought them. Uh, and then I logged on and he'd raised the price to 40 quid. I thought I'll just borrow Dan's when he's finished. <laughs> Hey, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I don't mind that. We can have uh, we can have UTT's first uh, book club episode. <laughs> no, no, Dan. No, that's going to be Tank Abbott's novel. <laughs> it's weirdly erotic fiction. Good reading. Tank Abbott's a pretty book. Version. Yeah. I'll be honest. You were both talking over each other then, so I'm going to smile and nod. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so Lee's back, so guess what? We're looking at ECW, and it may shock you to know that it's the last episode of ECW on TNN. 
But first of all, down to business. Are we drinking, lads? Lee? Yeah, yeah, yes. I've got two ales. One's a, uh, it's a German pale ale, but it's a, with Gladswegian heart. So it's it's West. So um, heroin. Yes, a German pale ale with an American twist, uh, made in in Scotland. So there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Splitting and the, the other ones are um, it's a, a West Coast IPA by Madison's, which is called Six North or North Six. One of them. I think I had something by the same brewery, but not that one. Yeah. Fair yeah, that's, yeah, that's the other one. I've definitely not that not that one. No. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but I can remember beer can art. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that, that that's that's my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> is it like is it like paninis? Got 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 need got got. <laughs> Where's the paninis there? I always need paninis if it's sandwiches. <laughs> Rob, what are you drinking? Well, I have gone to our friends at Tartarus Brewery. So if you go on to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTT Podcast 15, you get 15% off. I've gone for Ray Ray, which I'm a little bit sad that I didn't save for an episode with Ray Mysterio or Summer Ray on. But anyway, it's a strawberry line and coconut sour. And I'm not a massive fan of sours, but this is absolutely beautiful. I think it's Probably my favourite sour that I've ever had. So um, I think the coconut really um, sort of sets off the uh, acidity of the lime. So really happy with that one. Um, no, it does. Sorry, just a little note on the on the Riri. I actually had that in uh, Hopper Clock uh, the day before it launched. But they made me swear not to untap it because somebody who, who owned another beer shop somewhere else, I don't know where it was, I never committed that to memory, drank it and then became the first one to untap it the, like two days before it launched yeah we had a very i actually messaged you at the time we had a very similar experience with uh, a bingley brewery beer that we were told was uh, a, a strictly off the record beer so i don't know if that one's uh, gone and untapped yet but yeah that, that would have been a minus one untap yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and then i forgot to i forgot i was going to untap it just after midnight Unfortunately, just after midnight, I was what is technically known as absolutely arsehold. Uh, <laughs> oh, BAU was Dan Corp, calls it. What was it, BAU? Business as usual. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, after that, I've got an IPA from Moonrake Beer Co., and it describes itself as packed full of citrus and pine flavours which I don't know if it's a, a good thing, and Southern Cross and Chinook round off with German malts and uh, Drexit for a hoppy beer sweet punch. So, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. And then I've got Lost and Found, ABR23 Session IPA. So, yeah, put, all, put a lot of numbers into that uh, name. So, yeah. Did Elon Musk think it was his first bar? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a tweet he deleted. It's in his drafts. <laughs> well, not to break the uh, break the illusion, but I'm on salted caramel tom cocoa, which uh, m- people may think it's the same can as last week. It 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 might be. It's not. <laughs> it is. 
Um, so I'm having that, and then I've had to rid the fridge for what I could find. And what I could find are two polar opposites. I've got a 4.5% bottle of Corona Extra Lager. And then I've got a 17% bottle of Marshmallow Abaddon. <laughs> oh, they've released a Marshmallow Abaddon t-shirt, haven't they? I need that. Yeah, yeah. get get yourself on uh, tartarusbeers.co.uk and check I'm it a, out. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to order more from the merch section than or as much from the merch section as I do from the beer section. On this episode of ECW on TNN, because we were keeping score before, and we are going to come back and do a, a sort of a Friday Night Delight where we watch it um, back to back. The episode of Roller Jam that followed this, it was another uh, match with the California Quakes, and they were against the Nevada Hot Dice. Wow. What score did that Yeah, did you get the score? <laughs> No, I've not got the scope. Well, I, d- I don't want to spoil it for myself. I think I think we've got the new, new bingeable uh, content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we get into uh, one half of the uh, the Friday Night Thrill Zone or whatever it was called, uh, Lee, what would you recommend people watch this episode of ECW on TNN with? Well, I don't want to sort of give away what I actually thought of this episode, but I was thinking. A can of Tenant's Gold Label. Ooh, classy. Yes. I just wanted something very strong that I could probably try and forget things quick. <laughs> so the, the Terps that was in within reach had already gone down. Yes. And you get to shout Big P when you're ordering it. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong oh, would you dear. recommend? Oh, I want some big tea now. So I'm going to recommend the final chapter from Brew York. It was one of their um, Freaky Friday series of 13% stout, uh, one that uh, you gave four out of five to Dan. I've given 4.25, and, and Beth, uh, stereotypical Beth rating, has given 1.5. Fucking heathen. <laughs> we're, go- we're going to have words about that rating. That's a travesty. Anyway, I was trying to come up with a link between uh, between the show and my beer. At least one of the matches is from the Anarchy Rules pay-per-view. So I'm going to recommend a beer from Anarchy Brew Co. in Newcastle that has a wrestling link because it's called Pale Driver and it's brewed in conjunction and sold in conjunction with North Wrestling. It's a 4.9% IPA. I gave it three and a half on untapped uh, last time I was in Newcastle. It's bloody magnificent. Um, I, hopefully next time I go up there I'll be sober enough to remember to to grab some cans and, uh, and bring them down and share them with you both Excellent, looking forward to it Yeah, uh, does uh, Beth have a beer for us this week? And Beth's beer of the week is actually a cider which is Recordling Pink Lemon So there you go, that's Beth's beer of the week it's Recordling Pink Lemon Cider it's one that she's given 3.75 to Ununtapped and obviously, Recordling used to be the shirt sponsor for Huddersfield Town, so classic recommendation. <laughs> oh, dear. Any, uh, any excuse. Is, uh, we had uh, Greenall's beer in uh, in the early 90s as well. They've just released the retro kits. I'm really tempted to uh, get the uh, yellow and black checkerboard uh, kit that they had when they lost 31 to Man City. <laughs> yeah. Robin's been doing theirs, and there's an 80s one in there that I couldn't get into it because it was that tight in the 80s, and there's a chance I'm getting into it now. <laughs> it looked, it looked great with them like hot pants shorts that went with it and all. <laughs> 
when you look when you look like ten pounds of shit in a five pound sack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they just don't build football shirts for the uh, for the more generously proportioned gentlemen anymore, do they? No. They need to go back to the days of baggy shirts. Short shorts, so you've got a testicle hanging out when you play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Alan Brazil and never got in any of these shirts, would he? But when he was playing, he certainly fucking wouldn't now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're not a football podcast. We're a wrestling <laughs> podcast. We're doing it again. <laughs> God, it's like last week or the week before or the week before or whenever last week aired. Um, <laughs> so this is the last episode of ECW on TNN. Uh, and I, I sort of alluded to uh, in the previous episode, there were some uh, difficulties between ECW and the network. There were sort of early signs of a rocky relationship when TNN president David Hall implied that the programme would be a, a toned-down uh, version of the usual ECW programming, which sort of ties into what you were saying, Lee, about the opening match last time in that it was, you know, there wasn't as much sort of weaponry or, or, or blood as you might expect, but I think the blood we saw in that was more, more sort of done hard way, or certainly appeared to be hard way than... Like clumsy way, I think, more than hard way, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fuck-up way, then. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a source of contention as well with the lack of original programming. There was uh, dissatisfaction with the first TNN shoot, and uh, Heyman instead chose to wear a compilation of promos and old ECW matches, which we saw, I believe, uh, to act as an introduction. And... Uh, Joey Styles is on record as saying that the network absolutely crapped on uh, that episode that we covered last time that IMDb loved. And uh, also uh, Tommy Dreamer backed up that uh, that recollection. Uh, the network had reportedly placed a great deal of importance on ECW retaining Taz because they recognised that he was the big star in the company. And they uh, they announced that he signed a lucrative deal to remain with ECW. However, the deal fell through shortly after and Taz signed with WWF, as we all know. On the rise and fall of, of ECW, former ECW producer Ron Buffoni, or Buffone, uh, stated that TNN provided ECW with a very small budget to produce the programme, while simultaneously asking for high-quality production on par with Nitro and Raw. Uh, him and the ECW wrestlers also alleged a lack of promotion of the show by the network, uh, specifically and by its parent company, Viacom. So it was not all rosy behind the scenes. And we've, uh, you know, we've had, uh, we've had sort of just over a year run and we, uh, we go into this, uh, into this final episode. Yeah, because am I right? Did either you or Rob say in the first and that they were a three year deal? It was, yeah. Yeah. So it, it run, was it just over a year? It was, yeah, just over a third of, of the actual contract. Mm. And just to put it in context, Roller Jam ran for six years. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the money's at. Oh. <laughs> if it was extreme Roller Jam wrestling, <laughs> or extreme championship Roller Jam. <laughs> or even just Jam Roll, extreme Jam Roll. Extreme, extreme Jam Rolly Polies. <laughs> We're back onto Harry Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> we're not a football podcast <laughs> so the, the, the show opens up and it's a recap of Anarchy Rules and Danny Daniels trying to keep Jerry Lynn from winning the title uh, there's an interruption from New Jack and Lynn wins with the cradle tombstone to be ECW champion 
and we go to Joey Styles and Joel Gertner backstage. Drink. Drink. Sorry, I, I didn't forewarn it this time, but that's coming back because uh, we'll go back to Joey Styles and Joel Gertner a lot in this episode. Joey's telling us that Joel was supposed to go one-on-one with the, the network stooge Cyrus, but after a year of sneak attacks, Cyrus threw a spanner in the works by putting easy money in Joel Gertner's way, but Joel counted that with Kid Cash. So they're showing the match, followed by Joel versus Cyrus. So, you know, good luck figuring out who won. Uh, yeah, they just spoiled that, didn't they? Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, if you've got the pay-per-view, back in those days, you could get the replay of the pay-per-view and stuff, and WWE would be trying to encourage people to buy the replay, but they're going to show you what happened on the pay-per-view, but they're also spawning it in advance. Yeah, it's a really bizarre choice. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, there's a rundown of the uh, the promos to come, and, and fair warning, there's a fucking lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> we, we come back, and there's a just incredible, uh, don't know about just incredible influence in the, uh, the TV title match, screwing RVD out of the title so Rhino could win, and we're back to Joey and Joel. Drink. And they're hyping the title defence at November to remember. And they, ha- they again hype all the promos that are to come, saying, you know, we'll hear from X, Y, Z, and we'll get into all of that, because fuck me side with it. Sorry, I'm beyond, beyond, I'm beyond any form of pretense in this. The end of this show just goes off the rails. Yeah, well, and then the ECW logo comes back, uh, comes on, and then they're back in satellite base with uh, Joel and Joey Styles again. A drink. <laughs> This could be a heavy episode. <laughs> it, could, it could be a heavy what? Episode. Uh, yeah. Episode. <laughs> yeah. episode. I, I mean, the fact that they kept putting the logo up, it felt very Lucha Underground, where, you know, they, they do that mm, noise and, yeah. and put the logo up and stuff. But between what they did before the logo coming up and what they did after in Lucha Underground was fucking amazing. And it was just the same, buffering it on both sides here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think my first sort of notes I've got about this thing is how many advert breaks in over five minutes before a match? It would just literally, it was say half a dozen words advert, say half a dozen words advert, say it would just, uh, it, it infuriated me before, you know. So to watch it live must have been shocking. So what you're saying, Lee, is that there were less adverts than your average five minutes of US television. <laughs> yeah. To be absolutely fair, though, when we've had some shows that have the original adverts in, they are gold dust. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Years ago. <laughs> well, one, thing I, one thing I want to repeat in my life is, um, do you remember when Goldberg first came back to WWE in 2016? Oh, maybe, yeah, 2016. They went to advert break and there was a, the Oric XL vacuum cleaner that weighed less than five pounds. <laughs> no, it's because when, when he came back, I was actually in America and I watched that Raw in, when I was in Florida. And some of the adverts were just unreal. I remember seeing repeatedly a Subaru advert that was just like, it showed horrific photos of, of you know, shots of, of car crashes and broken glass and people hanging out of, Car doors dead, and then just out of it, it wouldn't happen if they drove a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like fucking hell, America. 
<laughs> Jesus. It was, it was in, yeah, anyway. Get, getting off US adverts for a second, uh, we go into the first match, which is Bilvis Wesley, who I've written in my characters, is that, uh, written in my notes, is that Heath Slater character? Uh, it turns out it's not. It's not Pelvis Wesley. And he's facing Nova. Um, Who's cosplaying as the Flash? I like that. I like that gear. I've I've got no problem with the with comic book character wrestling gear. Fair play to you, Simon Dean. Uh, we both watched the Flash uh, TV show. So so coming coming soon, the Rob Dan and Cy Powell Flash podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you got to let you got to give me time there, Rob. I'm still working on getting Cy to watch Torchwood. <laughs> well, he, he's got all that minder and murder in mind to catch up on the podcast he's doing with Morty and he's got all the prison cell book H to catch up on the podcast he's doing with Andy and uh, he, he's got all that Babylon 5 to uh, catch up on the podcast he's doing flying solo <laughs> and to be fair I think me, you and Morty could do a Torchwood podcast but we'll uh, we'll save that for another day I have been um, watching Torchwood actually good, because Torchwood's fucking amazing well Season one gets to being amazing, and then season two goes full on, and then season three is really fucking good. But anyway, we're not a Torchwood podcast yet. <laughs> we're a wrestling podcast, and I was actually pleasantly surprised by this match because I've seen Nova wrestle once before, Lee, because we we covered it for one of the episodes we've done with you. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never heard of Bill this Wesley. And he's pretty much just a an ECW jobber guy. You know, he'd been around. He was, he's a decent hand, but nobody who went on to do anything major. But this was actually pretty damn good, I thought. So you say you've seen Nova wrestle once. Have you ever seen Simon Dean wrestle coming into the ring on his segway? Yes, but I've only seen him wrestle as Nova once. Oh, right, because that is Nova. Mm. Sorry, yeah, I know. We covered that funnily enough. I actually do remember that. Um, I thought I thought this was new information. No, I, I, this is not uh, the maestro's uh, entrance music, and oh, it's Paul Ondorf's entrance music again. Um, I actually do remember. That. I, I got I got you three times with that. <laughs> oh fuck me! That that got to the point where it was just embarrassing. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I thought this was this was a decent match, all in all. Uh, what did you guys reckon? I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it, it were a reasonable match. There were some really nice moves in there. As I say I, I made a note of come, some of them that sort of really stood out. Uh, there were a fake flip into a baseball dive that were really. I thought that were really smart. And yeah. and then towards the end, the kryptonite crush by Nova were that were pretty inspe- impressive too. It was a nice little take on an air raid crash, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and oh, and we got a nice one ton bomb in there as well. Which was yeah, that that was crisp. Yeah, mm. really, really crisp. Um, and over in ECW, he's miles above what Simon Dean was allowed to be <laughs> yeah. in WWE. Yeah, and I stress that allowed to be because <laughs> no doubt he could have still have done it. But um, yeah, I've, I've got to say with Julie that fake out dive with the baseball slide was good. Um, there, there was a point where Bilvis did a uh, uh, did a kip up though, which I was I just sort of looked at that and I was like, yeah, all right, Biggin, 
Yeah, it was like really strange. It weren't just like a normal flip, were it? Do you seem to like flip over then flip up? It, they were it, like it was off the. It was almost off the back of his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really impressive that. Elvis Wesley was out with uh, the prodigy Tom Marquez and the prodigy and you know we, we got some decent sort of heel interference on the outside, you know, from the prodigy um, distracting the referee, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so you, you always like to see that from managers when you know they're not just sort of sat there; they're getting actively involved, and the refs doing a, a you know a proper refereeing job. If that makes yeah. sense, you know, they're not just wailing their arms around in the ring. You know, they're, they're actually putting the effort into making it look like they're distracted, so they miss the spots and they miss the cheating. They're not. They're not Bryce Remsberging it. No, I tell you what, though, Dan, I was watching SmackDown this week, and. For someone who's been in the business for like 25 years, Charles Robinson uh, was selling some of the moves and I swear he's been watching Remsburg and uh, uh, Audrey Edwards and it's just, it's just sort of filtering down. But I think one of the things is, and you know, as bad as the WWE camera cuts are, uh, and uh, I think they're trying to cut away from him when he does that shit. But I, I did notice it creeping in there as well, which really you, worries you, me. You, you know what he's doing? Robinson, go on. He's he's practicing for when Ric Flair has his final match of his career ever against whoever the AEW champion is. <laughs> well, you, you know who Ric Flair's uh, final match is going to be against because he's going to be a big money match, and who's a big money wrestler? Tank motherfucking Abbott, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll crumble before Tank's fist leaves his pocket. He will. <laughs> he'll go and do all his spots on his own Tank will just stand in the ring while he flops off the top of the ring and he flops on the apron and stuff and you know he goes around and elbow drops the ring on his own and stuff and then Tank Abbott just punch him and Ric Flair will die in the ring <laughs> That I know you've said that for a joke but I'm genuinely scared that'll happen yeah, it's not good, is it? No. Really I mean, oh, this is a man who survived a broken back, a uh, broken back from a plane crash. Uh, you know, th this is the guy who Roddy Piper says you need to slow down, Rick, or you won't be here next year. And then Roddy Piper died, and Rick Flair went drinking. You know, he seems indestructible, but th there's got to come an end to that indestructibleness that Rick Flair has had throughout his life, doesn't there? Well, it, it's already very nearly happened. Um, yeah, I just I don't want it to be a uh, a Randy the Ram in the wrestler kind yeah. of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, when he had his moment with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, that really should have been, you know, that that should have been the moment that he yeah. gave in. Yeah. It was great having that woo off with Jay Lethal and stuff, but. He didn't it, need to wrestle in TNA. Even the Shawn Michaels match was a bit sad. You know, as much as I loved Ric Flair in the, you know, some of the work that he did in the 80s and the 90s and stuff, he, he needed to call it a day. And, and it's very hard for wrestlers to walk away. It's like a drug to them, but there, there is no need for a Ric Flair match in 2022. It, it's, not like, it's not like he's... Um... Oh, God, I'm brain-fighting like hell now. Um... Oh, NXT UK general manager. Johnny Sain. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. I don't want to see Johnny Sain wrestle either because. No, it, but, uh, what, no what, what, sorry, Rob. Sorry, what I was going to say is he's not like Johnny Sain in that the style that Johnny Sain wrestled wasn't 
it was rolling around and it was stretching and it was it was grabbing holds. But it wasn't, particularly in his later years, wasn't bump heavy. So he wrestled into his 60s and his 70s, but he did grappling demonstrations, essentially. Mm. It, 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 was, it was part of a match, but it was being in a hold, coming out of it, getting somebody else into a hold. It wasn't being clotheslined over the top rope, going to the top, getting caught, you know, going, oh, and, and getting thrown off the top to land on your back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the, like people like these, the, you know, the, the only time that you should see them in a ring now is, is potentially like like these like juggalo matches where they can come in, they can have like two, three minutes, so virtually it's ring walk, a little bit of walking right ring, and then get out, and at least then... It, you know, people want to see him, can see him, but it's like you, you know, to put him on primetime television in these sort of like in in the sort of like top federations, it's just, you know, there's got to be a point, some point, you know, where the owners of these that go like, no, enough's enough now. It's it's like surely, you know, there's there can't be that much money in Ric Flair wrestling again. I've got a horrible feeling he's going to turn up in CYN and I don't know why I'm basing that in nothing other than a gut feeling in that they will allow Ric Flair to control his narrative and go out on his own terms mm, I, I don't want to see Ric Flair versus Braun Strowman I don't, want to, I, don't, I, I don't want to see Ric Flair versus anybody at this point to be honest but anyway <laughs> No, I, I think I think if it, you know if you had someone like a Jonathan Gresham, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. you know those world of sport, you know if you if you had him versus a, a Jackie Palo or a, a Bert a Bert Royal or, or someone who would roll around the ring with him, then you know that that'd be absolutely fine. And then I think Gresham is one of the few people that wrestle that sort of style. Um, maybe yeah. Zach Sabre Jr. would would carry him to mm. uh, you know, mat based wrestling match, but. You know, most people will want to do crazy flippy shit, and no, no, it's it's, it's past that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we uh, we got distracted again there. Just to move it back to uh, Bilvis Wesley versus Nova, I actually really enjoyed some of the commentary in this match. Uh, when you had, uh, I don't know who it was, whether it was Joel Gertner or Joey Styles saying Bilvis was all shook up on that clothesline, or. Uh, Bilvis is looking to take Nova to disgrace land. <laughs> um, There's a really good line from Gertner, actually, because, you know, he was talking about his, uh, his rivalry with Cyrus or whatever, and he said, game plans are for games. I have strategies because I'm going to war. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was good. But then, then he no, starts bullshitting his bedroom antics. Yeah. But it, it goes with... You know, Shut up. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem with Joel Gertner. He always goes a little bit Jerry Lawler, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like the Madden. He's got one good call, a show in him. A stop Gertner's twice, uh, right twice a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but overall, good, a decent uh, opening match, which I think we're all in agreement on. Yeah. Yeah, and then we go back to Joey Styles and Joel Gertner. Thank Joel Gertner goes into his whole quintessential stud muffin uh, intro, and I'm pretty sure Joey Styles was really struggling to hold it together. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Extreme Championship Wrestling. I'm Joey Styles. And well, 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 it is I, the quintessential stud muffin, Joel. I'm the one the announcers try to copy. I'm always slick and never sloppy. I like it on the bottom, but I prefer it on toppy. And I make Puerto Rican women say, I poppy. Gertner. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there, Dan. Oh, no. Steve <laughs> booker it better. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something, Cole. I got some good news for you. You got a new stun muffin in town. It's me, Booker T. And let me tell you something, Cole. Whether I'm slick or I'm sloppy, I love to be on toppy. So let me tell you something, Cole. Whenever you speak to some Puerto Rican women, all they want to say is, I like puppy. Now, can you do that, sucker? <laughs> That's so funny. That's good, that, yeah. <laughs> He's, he, he, he definitely surpasses Joel Gertner. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not a high bar. The, the wonderful thing about this as well is that Steve has been covering his uh, exploits on Tinder in the last couple of weeks. So I wonder if uh, this Joel Gertner co- coaching will help him on his uh, dating quest. <laughs> I think he should tread very very lightly. <laughs> before taking any tips from Mr. Gertner. Oh, dear me. It wasn't great. <laughs> well, Steve-O was great. Oh, Steve-O was great, yeah. but Joel Gertner wasn't. No. But that leads us quite nice, nice, quite nicely, quite nicely into Kid Cash versus Easy Money. The first thing I noticed on this match is that Kid Cash was coming out looking like a long-lost Dudley with the glasses on and all that. He, he was bald in TNA, wasn't he? No, he had very short hair. Very short in, hair, yeah. In, in TNA, weirdly, he looked like a, uh, a a tattooed Jeremy Renner trying to play Hawkeye. He did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But this match was decent. There was, you know, it was you had the good guy Kid Cash on behalf of Jill Gertner and the heel Easy Money on behalf of Cyrus, but, you know, there was Cyrus at ringside, there was Easy Money's tag team partner Julio and some... Racist with the Confederate flag on his back. Yeah, Chris and, uh, Hemrick with the Confederate flag and Electra. Chris, Chris Hemorrhoid and Electra. But, you know, they did the job, you know, trying to get involved and, and being sort of, na- you know, nasty heels and all the rest of it. And for what it led to, this match was about what it needed to be. But I get the feeling these two could have put on a much better wrestling match, if that makes sense. I thought this was really good. I mean, I were, you know, I'm, I was more used to seeing Kid Cash in his TNA days sort of thing, and mm. I remember him being more that sort of ground and pound and uh, a bit more of the Tony Nese style, uh, mm. and he, he was flipping and flopping all over the place in this one. He was, to be fair, yeah. I'm, I'm maybe being a bit, a bit harsh on this, but uh, what did you reckon, Lee? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match. There were some great little exchanges in there between them and then some really high spots. I think similar to the you know the last show that we looked at last week, which the Jerry Lynn RVD, well, you know, the, this was the, like the flippy 
map based match that you know that, that I think you know that that made Sutty CW stand out a little bit more in that style. But there were mm. you know some moves that I got down here. There were and just a simple one. There were I think it were um, I can't remember who did it, but there were I think it was Easy Money. I got Kid Cash in a um, like a modified surfboard. That he like pulled him up and then dropped it into a big elbow and it, it, it like yes it, yeah that were good there there were and there were like a a double springboard plancher in there which were that there was massive and and a, and a and a big hurricane it was and and there were a, a tornado DDT that he hit him with and I don't know how he counted out of that it, that was like huge. De-, De Niro did a really nice uh, also Agari uh, judo throw on Kid Cash uh, during this match. It was really nice. It wasn't uh, a Tank Abbott upon Cianag. The best judo throw in wrestling is Tank Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed it all together, which shows which one of us knows but it knows his shit and who doesn't. Uh, you are right. There were some really good sort of sequences and spots in this. One that got me was it was quite late in the match, but there was they did that rare thing in wrestling, which is a corner whip that's double reversed. Mm. So, the, so the person getting whipped reverses, and then there's a reversal to the reversal. But then there was boots up in the corner, which led to Kid Cash hitting Whisper in the Wind. And then a springboard sunset flip for two. They exchanged pins. Kid Cash hit double underhook pile driver. But then Electra's distracting the referee. And then the racist interferes with the Confederate flag, I've already forgotten his name, Chris Hemrick. Chris Hemroyd. Julio De Niro comes in and hits a move that, that defied explanation at the time I was writing my notes. And then Julio and Easy Money hit a double wheelbarrow suplex. Easy Money sat on the uh, sat on the turnbuckle so Chris Hemroyd can do his massive leg drop while the ref's still distracted. And all that gets a massive two count because the crowd were really invested in this match because of what it had led to. This was one of the things I put in my notes. It felt like a match that you would see on Dynamite today. It felt like the sort of match that you'd get, you know, this is the way we're starting to show off hot, no ring entrances, ding, ding. We're off on the way. The crowd are chanting, this is awesome. There's lots of big spots in it, lots of uh, interference, that kind of stuff. The crowd really loved it. But the added wrinkle to this was it actually meant something. There were stakes mm. on the line and it was built up as such. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, the more we're talking about, the more I'm coming around to this match because I think I was a bit a bit tired and snarky when I actually watched it. <laughs> and, now, and now I'm drunk and generous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that on this show, would it? Let's be fair. I think Easy Money is a really decent hand. Uh, you know, we've seen him on previous CCW episodes that we reviewed. Um, I, I always puts on a, a decent, a decent show. I, there was a lot more out of cash than I was expecting going into the match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was yeah. there was stuff like Money hitting a low blow on the top, and uh, you know, getting a, a power bomb count into Hurricane Rana by Cash, and and all the rest of it, and. Uh, I think, uh, sorry, no, it was the powerbomb counting into Hurricane Rana that led to the three. So it was essentially Frankenstein against the win for uh, for Kid Cash. And the fans absolutely love that. They love that Gertner's going to get his hands on Cyrus. Mm. But then there's the post-match beatdown. And who comes out, you know, the underdog, the giant killer, Spike Dudley, who's got a broken leg, he's got the massive 
sort of apparatus on his leg, the massive cast and and all the rest of it. I think that I saw this. I saw the thing he had on his leg, and it reminded me of TNA when EC3 had the thing over his elbow and he faced Rockstar Spud. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Spike Dudley was moving pretty well for someone with a broken leg. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just meant that. I just meant the apparatus reminded me of it because it looked about the same. I don't, know. I don't know if he had a broken leg or not. Because, you know, when Austin had his and, you know, when, when Tara had hers in TNA, you know, Nixon Newell in uh, NXT, U, uh, well, NXT, uh, NXT UK, they, they looked massive. It, it looked, I don't know, it looked a bit drawn on uh, in comparison to uh, Spike Dudley's. To be fair, with Spike, his leg's that small. It could have been designed for some design. Could have yeah. been. It, it would have been a full body cast for Tiny Peak, though. but anyway Spike Dudley comes out he gets beaten down as well there's a figure four on him him, and who comes out the Sandman to indulge in some Singapore cane violence and a a bit of sexual assault (laughs) yes yeah that that was worrying wasn't it sorry I I should just stress the, the laughter was from sheer discomfort yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Sandman comes out, swats everybody with a Singapore cane, and then Electra is... In fact, actually, sorry, just going back to the Singapore cane shots, there was a really brutal shot to the back of Chris Hemrick's head that led yeah. to a flip bump to the fl- uh, just to the floor. Yeah. It wasn't even through a table or onto anybody. He just flat. He just seemed to just land that shit. Yeah, yeah. Which, ouch, I'm guessing... I put down there were just four massive cane shots, and they were really, really the it proper bent them canes. Yeah, yeah. He threw them with intent. He definitely did. But then we get Electra is the last one of the heels in the ring, and she's begging off Sandman and trying to seduce him and all the rest of it. But then we just get Sandman grab a beer out of his pocket, grab her by the hair, spray the beer all over her chest, and grab Joel Gertner's head and sh- basically shove it in her tits. Yeah. And that was entertainment in 2000. I put in my notes, did Ed Ferrara write this? And, yeah, that, that was prime mm. Ed Ferrara fodder, because it certainly ain't entertainment now. No. It's, yeah. it's not. No. And, it, and it, like somehow, the, the this... This were a start of a match as well because I don't know how it started the match between Joe Gurner and Cyrus, but it was for some reason it was this just seemed to just turn and there were a match and it was it just made no sense. It was well, well the whole thing was that if Kid Cash beat Easy Money. Joel Gertner got got his one on one with Cyrus. I, I totally missed that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was kind of, that was that was that, that, that the adverts that I missed. <laughs> I know Joey Styles talked about it for about a good solid minute. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just threw the whole Sandman Electra thing in there for no good reason, really. <laughs> which which makes it fucking worse. Yeah. To be quite honest. To be fair, Dan, they, they had a good reason. It just doesn't stand up very well under 2022's um, scrutiny. Yeah. They're, they're, a good I, two, they're, they're a good year 2000 reason. They, they had two very good reasons that they were doing that. Go on, Dan. Nope. <laughs> no. 
Not biting. Not rising <laughs> to the jokes. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. Oh, tits. oh no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> That's it. Sid James would have been proud of you. <laughs> that, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Slocum would have been proud of you. Oh, yes. <laughs> And like therefore it. vicariously so good Jackie Palo. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that gracefully did the uh, lost the match to her. Oh, we need to do that episode. <laughs> I've got it in my Sky Plus box ready. I think I might as well. <laughs> anyway. Before we fall out of grace and favour with our mm. listeners. Yes. Mm. We- <laughs> Before we bring the sport of Jimmy Savile into disrepute, <laughs> we get to Joel Gertner versus Cyrus. So, uh, Sandman brings Cyrus in hard way. You get something resembling a spear by Joel, and we get some punches that wouldn't look out of place on AEW Dark Elevation. It was no David Arquette spear, was it? <laughs> no, it was. Well, it, it was plus about £100. <laughs> I can take the piss out of the of the chubby man because I'm all I'm a fat man, therefore that's how that works. But yeah, it's a spear of sorts. There's some bad punches. Then we have Joe. We have Joel Gertner topless and topless, and for some reason he has uh, he has the Kamala body paint on. Yeah, it was the the Ugandan, the Ugandan stud muffin. Now yeah. I, I know I know it probably wouldn't fly today, but. When when he like you know he was doing the the Uganda stuff, I quite liked that that he was channeling Kamala. Uh, you know, I mean, he could have been any wrestler, but I guess who who can you take your shirt off and instantly be recognisable as? Well, I, I was thinking about this, and I like to think that because of of Kamala's history in, in ECW, that this was a a tribute. It was no, I, I don't I don't yeah. think in any way, shape, or form. This was thought as of, of a piss take. This was definitely a tribute. Yeah, it, did, it didn't. It didn't feel like a piss take at all. No. So you know he's he's topless. He's got his Kamala paint on. He does the big splash in the corner, and then he rips off his or rips off his neck brace, and he does his arms crossing, pointing, and he goes for what I will call the Chubbles elbow. <laughs> but Cyrus trips him. The bastard. And he puts the boots in, there's a knee drop, there's a lot of taunting, there's punching, there's chops. And we get a lot of Cyrus on top for a couple of minutes. And then Sandman spits beer in Cyrus's face and Gertner hits the roll-up. And we get a three count and the crowd absolutely explode. Mm. Yeah, no, they, they were well into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was a massive pop when there was the reveal of the Kamala pain, to be fair. There was, yeah. The, the crowd just absolutely loved everything that Gertner and Cyrus did. Yeah. And it's mad, but that, that makes it a good wrestling match. Oh, yeah, yeah, if the crowd are invested. Yeah, doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't know if you guys had any more sort of thoughts on it before we went on. No, I think you said it all. It was just, you know, it was, it was one of them matches that shouldn't have been... That shouldn't have been good, but in the end, when you look at it, you know, as you said, the crowd was super hot. 
it, it was as long as it needed to be and it did everything that it should have. Yeah, I thought it were ideal. I think I'm coming from a different angle to it. I felt that, you know, because the whole stipulation was if Kid Cash won, then Joel Gerton would get his hands on Cyrus. And then Cyrus was clearly the better wrestler of the two uh, and sort of dominating when it was a fair contest sort of thing. And it, it, it's like I would prefer Cyrus to be in sort of the chicken shit heel mode mm. to it. You know, it, mm. we've seen loads of managers in the past, you know, whether it be Bobby Heenan or whatever, having to go in the weasel suit with the Ultimate Warrior and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, just mm. someone completely outpowered. I'd have liked to see Cyrus begging off more, but he had to get his shit in because he thinks too much of himself. No, what gave you that idea? Everything he's ever done and said. Yeah, but apart from that. <laughs> well, it's not just what he said, it's the way he said it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Anyway, then we get into what I believe Lee in the group chat dubbed as Promo Mania. <laughs> which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven consecutive promos. Now, to this point in the show, we've gone through about 25 to 30 minutes. The rest of the show is just promos. And it doesn't matter how good some of them are. For me, it's never really going to hold water. It's never going to be never going to be that enthralling. Yeah, and the main problem that I saw is that it's... You could have splitted some of them promos up again. It's going back to what we said about the last episode, that it's not what they're showing, it's just the way that they're showing them, is that if they took some of these promos and then and dropped it between matches, then you don't sit there thinking, promo, promo, promo. If you have a promo, then a match, promo, match. It's that It just breaks it up. The fact is that, as daft as it sounds, and we'll come to it later, is the fact is that, you know, that... My overall score when I sat and watched this, and then what we've talked to, I mean, we've just had two, three half-decent matches, which we've all said has been half-decent, but, you know, this last bit at the end just caves the whole show in, because you become halfway through, and to me, I just, like, literally just switched off. Yeah, I'm with you, Lee. I completely just, it, it was an effort to pay attention to what they were on about. Yeah. I'd be proper pissed if I'd have been roller jam after this because there's nobody watching <laughs> after this. <laughs> <laughs> we saw Tony Mameluke. I mean, he was organising the Lodi party in the gazebo. <laughs> he, he was in the Mameluke's wedding, you know. <laughs> He Good. he was he was the reason that Disco Inferno was chased down and forced to work for the family. <laughs> At least he did something right in chasing Disco Inferno down. <laughs> he was the reason that Norman Smiley hid in the body bag from Meng. <laughs> <laughs> so what we need is him versus Tank Abbott. Oh, I'd fucking love Tony Marinara versus uh, Tank Abbott. <laughs> it'd, it'd have been like Barry Scott, bang, and the dirt is gone. To, to be fair, I, I would have loved Big Vito or Johnny the Bull versus Tank Abbott. I think that'd have been really good matches. 
Actually, yeah, they would. Just open a new beer and I'm typing Tony Mameluke into Untapped. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm typing while I'm talking. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so going to the promos, we get Rhino. He's saying, uh, uh, what was it? He was like, this may be the belt RVD never lost, but he's the man RVD never beat. And this is also the belt he'll never get back. Which sounded good on the first listen. When I read it back, it sounds like bollocks. But then he says he's sick of hearing about the whole effing show when he's the hope, when he's the real fucking deal. And they get him to drop the f bomb so they can bleep it out. Which again, in that in this time, smart. Why not? It, you know, tease profanity. It'll get people in. He, and Rhino's saying Avid, he's met his match and he's Rhino's bitch. And then he does basically does a, a sweary version of the uh, the 1980s cocaine promo just repeating variants of what he's just said. And and this was one of the stronger ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the other thing as well is, is that, you know, you know, how much of a different rhino uh, have we had in a year? Because, you know, we take this rhino outside of the one that we saw in the last episode against Taz. And like, this is like a super monster rhino mm. instead of, one that you know that Taz just run through last time, and it's amazing what a year makes in wrestling. Yeah, it is. But it, it was amazing how ECW rolled with the punches of all the big stars leaving. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, we watched that last episode of ECW Hardcore TV, and it, it was awesome. And you think of all the talent that they'd lost, and yeah. they just still kept making people feel big all the way through. Yeah, and still not pay them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's cash or creative <laughs> it's not cash and creative yeah. we'll pay you enough cash as if you were a kid yeah. <laughs> after that we get the FBI and we get um, is that Tony Marinara who's jabbering on initially Tony Ma- is Tony Mameluke in ECW yeah, see. But yeah he see. is yeah. but he, he's also the guy from the Lodi party I knew I didn't like him for a reason. But he just he just jabbered shite and I couldn't even make out what he was saying. I think I think he was talking some shit about the unholy alliance. And then, then you had you had Sal behind him who was on about being the FBI and then Guido's annoyed that he gets no lines. Mm. We know that Tony Marinara is a glory hound. <laughs> yeah, apparently so, but it was still crap. Then we get Father James Mitchell, who, to be fair, is always a cracking promo. You know, saying it's a world full of lies and FBI, the biggest lies of all. He doesn't like it. And then there was a bleep, and I couldn't make it out, but apparently he said assholes. Don't know. Like, knowing about them all their deeds, and that the... Uh, the it all got a bit gouged. The FBI are assholes in his book. I think he said we all hate Lee Scum. I think, I think that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that. I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to it. <laughs> we all late lead school. <laughs> oh dear, but yeah, there's just a generic, vaguely satanic thing from Father James Mitchell. They have the fire burning in them that can't be extinguished. It's getting hotter and hotter every day. The FBI's chapter in the book of wrestling is ECW Tag Team Champions is coming to a close. And then we get New Jack. Oh, but did you see what happened when he said about the, the book of wrestling? It caught fire. Yeah. 
um, oh. while he was talking. Yeah. Uh, Mikey, Whit- Mikey Whipwreck ha- had it in, in the background. It caught fire and said, when the book of wrestling's closed and he slammed it shut and that yeah. took out the fire. Oh, fair play. That actually makes that whole thing uh, vastly more effective because the rest of it was a bit me, for me anyway. And then we get a new Jack Prover. And like a lot of the time when I'm doing these notes, I like to transcribe <laughs> what people are saying. I haven't transcribed what New Jack's saying because for a lot of it, I didn't know what he was saying. All I knew, all I knew was that whatever he was saying, somebody was going to get fucked the fuck up. Yeah, I just got how many bleeps, lol. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I, I said it before on the first episode. People might say that wrestling's fake. New Jack isn't fake. No, no. Who do you think he could put New Jack in a match with from wrestling history? You know, for, for an ultimate hard bastard match. Eddie Kingston. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something here, Dan. That's going to blow you away. Imagine. New Jack versus Les Kelly. Ooh. Ooh, that'd be good. Ooh. That's that's a dream match I never knew I needed till you said it. I can't be honest, I think it's Les Kelly. I mean Les Kelly in his seventies would fuck New Jack up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't be treated like that old wrestler that New Jack fucked up. I'd li- I'd like to see him with one of the sort of Old legends that wouldn't take his shit. So Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen would be good. Yeah. 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 Or even even a in prime Harley race. Somebody that you know yes. that. Yes. Yeah. That you know that somebody that wouldn't take any shit off him, and if and if he tried some, would put him straight in his place. I think if you had him with a a, Ken, uh, a Kelly or a Hanson or a race, I think New Jack would respect that more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he'd actually have some reverence for someone like that. On the Stan Hansen wavelength, Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But on a more modern wavelength, because this would either be the best or the worst thing wrestling had ever done. New Jack versus Nick Gage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I've never seen Rob Pout like that before. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just worried that Nick Gage will be trying to tell him it's not real. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. 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 yeah that, that does that does feel like a kind of evil that you don't want to put out into the universe. Yes, yeah. Brody might have been good as well. Bruiser Brody. Hmm. Yeah. I think you needed somebody with Jack, new Jack, that you know that weren't going to sort of be hover, overpowered by him as a person. We've forgotten one vital name, Meng. Yeah, Meng would be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if he's brought his drinking body with him. Sam Gabbert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like new Jack is the. Was his is his forehead worse than Abdullah Butcher's? It's worse than Cody Rhodes. You just have to tap Cody Rhodes on forehead and he, he bleeds. He's <laughs> got rice absolute... paper for a forehead. <laughs> Cody rice paper. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a proper mess. 
There was a thing on Being the Elite where Matt Jackson just kept bleeding to like get preferential treatment. So he'd be like in the queue at the post office and he'd bleed so he'd get to the front. <laughs> what worries me is that they, they don't know that that's not how real life works. Yeah. <laughs> if they got to the front, it probably is. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the new Jack promo, everything he said was just terrifying. He's saying he's just talking about fucking everybody up from from just incredible to Francine to Rhino, back to Francine, back to just incredible, back to Rhino, back to Francine. He's also talking about being a pimp, and there's a lot of uh, what is nowadays unsavory content in the promo. Let's just say, mm. yeah. But the problem is, it's new Jack. And who's going to tell him no? Well, just really. listed uh, half a dozen people we <laughs> think could tell him no. Yeah. yeah. Could. Yeah. Could. Not would. But we go from new Jack to Steve Carino. Carino's on about, it's not about how much of his blood can be spilled or about which broad has the better outfit, and that's his words. He said it's a man's world, so in the show, he calls out Jerry Lynn and just incredible C.W. Anderson. And so when the question's asked, who's the man, the answer is Steve Carino. It was a bit of an odd promo. Yeah. Don't know it, you guys felt about it. It was a rare lack of form from someone who's normally good on the mic, this yeah. one. Yeah. I will say, though, he's, uh, he's passed on a good amount of his promo ability to his son. Because Colby Carino in NWA is an absolute detestable shit heap. <laughs> oh, he's, he's just so fucking annoying. I don't know if either of you watch NWA, but Colby Carino, you, you just want to twat him. He's horrible. Anyway, uh, we go from Steve Carino to Don Marie. And uh, Robbie mentioned in uh, the previous Lee CW episode about Don Marie bookending things. So do you want to take it from there or do you want me to do it? Well, I mean, yeah, she, she was saying that she was the star. It's TNN and uh, it's live and it's me. And uh, she was just so excited to be. She was just as excited to be on the last episode of ECW on TNN as she was on the first. And I, I thought that yeah. was really ni- a really nice Easter egg that they planted in there that they had uh, pretty much doing the same thing on both, both ends of it. Yeah. Hey, you're absolutely right. But she, she, had a, she had a little bit extra in there, though. She was saying... People talk about the number one contendership as if it's a, if it's all about men, but women make men think it's all about them when really it's all about Don Marie. Yeah, as Mrs. Slocum proved to Jackie Power when I being served. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was all about Mrs. Slocum that day. <laughs> it was always about Mrs. Slocum. <laughs> Let, let's not talk about the Slocum. We'll be back on to uh, Edger from the week before. <laughs> <laughs> The final promo is Jerry Lynn. Uh, he's waiting his whole life to uh, for the opportunity. He's not going to blow it. He's the ECW champion. Every time he steps in the ring, he'll defend the title because he knows what it's like to be passed up. The star in him is finally a star, and he's going to bring a whole lot of dignity to that. And he's interrupted by just incredible. And they have a. It feels like they went on for minutes about respecting each other. Even though just the first thing Just Incredible said was that he doesn't, he's never respected anything or anybody, apart from the belt. It felt like a real prolonged sort of will the won't they just shake hands? 
I don't get why they shook hands and all this. The yeah, way no. they started it, and then all of a sudden they're shaking hands and then saying they respect him and tonight you were the better man and stuff. It's like, well, that's not what you, the energy you came into the room with. You've flipped on a sixpence there because you've forgotten what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. I really, really didn't like this. It was, I don't know. It was just... There were just so many things. It went on too long. They just seem, as, as Rob said, there seemed no reason why they'd shake hands. And you knew, once he said it, that the only reason they wanted to shake hands is that they wanted to... Like they wanted to sort of beat him down. It just didn't make sense. It just it was out of probably both episodes that we've seen, this were like the promo that really just didn't hit the spot at all. Which was a shame because obviously it was the last one. It's like a double impact because when we watched the last episode of ECW on Hardcore TV, I really enjoyed Just Incredible with um Francine and Jasmine Sinclair and stuff. I, I thought they had some of the some real highlights of the show so you know sort of comedy moments and yeah and just not here yeah it, it was not well done and of all things you're going off the air on tnn the energy you want to give is the Don Marie energy of we're on tnn we've done so well and yet you're leaving fans with the last thing they see is the champion who's been punched in the dick yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's it. I think you've hit it on 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 the head, Dan. Is because, like, to me, is that the idea is is the passing shot as as you leave, is that people you want people to try and find you because you know you're not on TNN anymore. You can't say where you're going, but you know. So you know, we're not in the age of everybody's got phones and internet at the side of them. You know, so that we want you want them to try and find you on a different channel. So it's like it, it should be something that pushes towards, like the Taz interview that you had at the end of the first episode. You want something that sort of thinks, "I've got to find out what's happening next." And if I'd have watched that, I'd have gone, "I don't really care what happens." Yeah, that that's exactly the the sort of same thing that I uh, that I felt. I just it, it left me totally deflated totally flat and why the thing is I feel like that I feel like they've constructed this finish to get people to tune in to wherever they were going although we know they weren't going anywhere did anybody else know that or were they trying to build to the next pay-per-view or what because the they mentioned the I'm sure they mentioned the next pay-per-view throughout the show but what was the point of of leaving your champion lane don't know if you know anything, Rob. No, it, it just felt weird. It almost felt like they didn't know they were going off the air, um, and they must have done. Yeah. You know, they, they, they made no effort to transition to where people would be. It was disappointing from that point of view because, uh, as I say, ECW Hardcore TV ended on a real high spot, and, and this just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it pretty much shot the bed for me, which is a great shame, you know, it's... What was it? I mean, the parting shot. It, it was half. A, it was half a cool line that just incredible exited on, which was just because I respect you doesn't mean I won't kick your ass. Yeah. But that. But that's after his his girlfriend's punched his rival in the nuts. Yeah. So, what does it really mean? Yeah. So, in terms of adverts that we had for the show, 
we had an advert for the next pay-per-view, as you say, Dan, for November to Remember, which doesn't sound as exciting as uh, December to Dismember, but that, that wasn't a great pay-per-view, so... But was probably better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we had an advert for OneWrestling.com uh, in the replays. Great. Yeah, and the Sandman was wearing a Budweiser shirt. Yeah. Best thing is, when he bought that, it was actually a hoodie. I was, I was going to say that might be one that Andy wants to get involved with. <laughs> Although we can say that Budweiser's may, like making love in a canoe. <laughs> I very nearly said something very, very much less savoury than that, but fucking close to water. <laughs> <laughs> no worse. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> So those were the adverts uh, that we had for the show in terms of shout-outs that we've had. The real Chris Bellis, uh, just sort of on uh, the comments that we've made uh, about Big Vito, etc., is uh, promising that he's going to release a, an episode uh, featuring DeBald is the Mamelukes and uh, the FBI. Yes, need that. Very much looking forward uh, to that one. Steve-O, uh, well, actually, Millwall Chris had uh, requested a... Um, Booker and it better from uh, Booker T um, singing the Slam Jam theme. So, oh um, God, yeah, we also um, need that. Yeah, and Steve had sent that out. Uh, Steve had also included us in the list of podcasts uh, that he was listening to, which included the Bill podcast. Really, Steve the Bill? I'd never. Yeah, uh, his own podcast, Fair. Um, an office podcast, another office podcast. Um, not shocked Carl Pilkington's podcast <laughs> not shocked no and then they had the broadcast and the uh, De Trout Spinners podcast which I, I believe is about fly fishing oh fair enough not Detroit Spinners De Trout Spinners it says Trout yeah yeah so I, I don't know what that's about but uh, I'm assuming it's involving Trout I don't know do, do, you, do you fly fish Trout no idea <laughs> no Last time I went fishing, I was seven years old, and I don't remember much of it. It was, it was at Pately Bridge. All I know is I fell asleep in the car on the way there. I woke up, fished a bit, then got a pot of pie and fell asleep on the way home. Fair enough. So if, fish, if fishing is just falling asleep and getting pork pies, I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah, and um, the real Chris Bellis was... Uh, out there sharing our promo code for Tara's Beers, which is UTC Podcast 15. So, Good man, Christopher. Much appreciated. Get involved. Uh, we had a shout-out from High Five Tom on the uh, High Five Podcast as well, so thank you very much for that. Yes, thank you, Tom. Much appreciated. So after all that, we get to the awards section of the show. So with the, uh, the slim pickings we had, Lee, what was your match of the night? I put the uh, Easy Money Kid Catch match. I enjoyed yeah. it. I, yeah, I thought, well, as you say, it was slim pickings, but yeah, that, that to me. Well. You know, it was fair enough. They, they, they did enough. They had, they had the stakes, um, you know, on the line in the match and the crowd were into it. So I can, I can see where you're coming from with that. Rob, do you agree? Or what was your uh, match of the night? Oh, there's no paperless money in 1999 and 2000, is there? Cash is king, so it's uh, Kid Cat versus Easy Money. <laughs> I like that. I've uh, Unfortunately, it's not a clean sweep. 
I've given my match of the night to Joel Gertner versus Cyrus purely because they maximised the minutes, didn't overstay the welcome for me, and it was the most into it the crowd were all night for me. So, yeah, it's true. I, I, I never thought I'd see the day I gave Joel, either Joel Gertner or Cyrus a match of the night, but here I am. <laughs> And I, I know you're listening, Don Callis. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Finally got it. You got your mention. But uh, next award is MVP of the night. So, Lee, who's your MVP? Do you know what? I really ain't got one. And I just cannot... I, even now, I'm sat here looking through my notes, trying to think of somebody that stood out. And if I've got to pick one... It's you for making it through. <laughs> yeah. Kid Cash, but there you go. And it, and it is literally, it, I've got a question mark on my notes, and I thought, as we talked through the night, something had come, but it, it, it hadn't. So if I have to say somebody, Kid Cash, but apart from me, the an MVP of the night. So trying to pick an MVP has left you on the uh, on the cusp of finding something, <laughs> but, but, but not quite reaching where you were trying to get. No. Fair enough. Listen to last week to figure out why that might be relevant. <laughs> um, yeah. Rob, who's your MVP? My MVP of the night is Kid Cash because he a lot more athletic performance than I was expecting from him. Fair enough. Uh, it's uh, it's not a clean sweep because my MVP is Nova because he was he was quality and he had flash themed wrestling gear. <laughs> that that is the literally Barry, out <laughs> the Barry Allen of ECW, <laughs> the Wally West. That's it, the Sheldon of. <laughs> <laughs> so after struggling for an MVP, uh, what was your moment of the of the nightly? Well, rightly or wrongly, Sam Man's four huge cane shots. Fair enough. It was violent enough. That's all I can say on it. <laughs> I, I, I can't say anything else. I, it was just the thing that stood out in all the show to me, but for, what I say, right reasons or wrong reasons. Well, actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to do one of my jumpings here because my moment of the night was the Sandman twatting the racist in the back of the head leading to the flick bump off the apron. <laughs> I enjoyed that. It was fun. So, Rob, what's your moment of the night? Well, my moment of the night is Sandman turning up. I mean, it did go downhill pretty quickly after that, but Sandman turning up. Yeah, it was easily the biggest pop of the night. He was he was over his shit, wasn't he, really? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys if you have a sign of the night. I couldn't make any out. And no. most of the point, I couldn't be asked to make any out. <laughs> no, I didn't see any. I only saw a couple. One said, I hate signs. So, uh, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, uh, but the one I've gone for is I love pudding. Fair play. Hey, who doesn't love pudding? No. Yeah. Why not? That is, is it a sweet pudding? Is it a savoury pudding? Who knows? Or cares? It, it, could be, it could be anywhere from chocolate pudding to steak and kidney. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's different because that's different stomachs. Well, I've got 17. Yeah. <laughs> 
Dan's got a new mommy stomach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one day, yeah, one day I'm going to get into this stuff. One, two, three, four. Dan, that's, you know, for a week of Saturday, I'm going to get you to list all 17. <laughs> he has one stomach just reserved for Harvey's Bristol cream. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Fucking hell, I've got some thinking to do. Yeah. <laughs> one per drink. <laughs> What? I have to limit it to 17 drinks? Yeah. What about food? <laughs> yeah. It might be 23. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the most important award of the night, the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Lee, who gets your René Goulet? For his absolutely amazing sideburns, Bilvis Wesley. That is a... Very strong shout because they were impeccable. They were good. Yeah. yeah. They were like honky tonk style. But also, funk, fuck honky tonk, man. He's a cunt. Um, <laughs> Rob, who gets your uh, Rene Goulet? Well, I've used the same logic that you two used on the first episode of ECW on TNN. I'm going for Cyrus because he's got hair on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I. I can't fault that logic. So for my Rene Goulet, I've gone for a person who the first time I saw him didn't have much hair, but here he does. It's Nova. Because, mm. you know, he had the luscious locks. At this point in life, they actually kind of suited him. That's a decent segue. Is it really? So what? No, no, just because he used to come down to the ring on a segue. <laughs> and on that note <laughs> on that bombshell yeah that's it to quote Clarkson on that bombshell and on that collective groan <laughs> we're done with the uh, the final episode of ECW on TNN so Lee what would you rate it out of 10 oh it's difficult, this. I think my final stuff that I'd wrote down was a modern-day 80s WWF show with boatloads of promos, four and a half out of ten. Just didn't like it. Didn't like it. Fair enough. It's, but even four and a half out of ten is just slightly below average. Yeah, but I think there, there were... There were some of the matches that were, but it were everything else that just dragged it down. It it, it were bad, but you've seen a lot worse. Oh yeah, yeah or I've heard enough. a lot worse on uh, <laughs> some of some of the shows that you've. <laughs> <laughs> would, would, would that be what we made Tack watch by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> you, you just wait until this episode that we're we're dropping on Monday. <laughs> That's got my lowest. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I've just remembered what that is yeah oh dear me anyway Rob what would you rate this show out of 10 um, I thought we were alright it wasn't quite as good as um, the first episode uh, I'm going for 6 out of 10 there, there were definitely bits I enjoyed it's not the worst thing I've, been wa- uh, I've ever watched so yeah ju- just slightly above average for me fair enough 
just to give a, a brief uh, sort of rating ramble, I thought it started fairly strong. Surprisingly good opening match from two guys who I assume were mid-carders. Cash and uh, Easy Money had enough stakes to make it interesting that it was, you know, decent athletic contest. Gertner and Cyrus was pure fan service. The the fans, the the regular watching fans and the ones in, in attendance were all in on Gertner versus Cyrus. They didn't care how good the match was. They were just investing in the characters. And the match, I think, was just long enough to provide. Apart from that, it tailed off really quickly. It just ended up dull. And the way they went off the air with the champion lane, and it just wasn't that good. So it started off strong, it tailed off badly, but it gets a gets a four out of ten for me. So would it surprise you that nobody has rated <laughs> this episode of ECW on TNN on Cage Match on IMDB or on Wrestling Data? Nobody. Nobody made it. Nobody made it. This Nobody far. We, could be, the end. we could be pioneers. No. <laughs> But that, that is so perfect, because that is the polar opposite of the first episode, isn't it? The first episode has an IMDb rating. Yeah. People couldn't, couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Yeah. And this I, says I, it all. It, I were hoping that they'd at least got one on the wrestling one, because you know, it would be interesting to see how they rated this when they rated that the first show so low. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it may be why they didn't bother rating this one because they were like, I can't even be bothered to rate it. Yeah. The, the, the modern day equivalent for me is uh, I've taken great pleasure in uh, Piers Morgan. His new show on Talk TV started with 317,000 viewers. <laughs> and uh, now he's got about 24,000 mm. tops. Just proof that you can have all the media presence you want. But if you talk shit, you're going to be rated like shit. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And that, that whole thing was just a fuck you, Piers Morgan. You'll never listen to this, and I don't care, but fuck you. So that was ECW on TNN. Then, <laughs> Lee, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at LDCon71. Or you can find my immersive theatre companies at either FV Immersive or EG Immersive on either Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. You can indeed. I've been to a few of Lee's uh, events and they will make you shit yourself. Uh, well, the horror ones will. Everything else. <laughs> yeah, especially when we feed <laughs> you raw chicken. <laughs> I never went to anything that extreme. I just... I'd... <laughs> I'd, I'd just yeah. did it underdone KFC. Um, yeah. <laughs> just call it sashimi and charge more for it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, where can people find you? You can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers, and I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. On the same channel that you're listening to this, you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with the real Chris Bellis and down it at Scottish Juggalo and they're going through the forgotten storylines, the wrestlers who might not be that loved, that kind of thing. Really worth checking out. You can also, on the same channel, hear the On Booking the Tankatory podcast where we look at the ups and downs of the in-ring career of one Tank Abbott, who is one of the legitimate hardest men that ever lived. And on the Twitter feed for that, at UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag Tank Facts, such Yay. as 
2K considered putting Tank Abbott in the WWE 2K game, but realised that most games consoles can't cope with the number as high as his overall rating. It's very true. It's got at least seven nines in it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the longest numbers ever recorded, uh, is uh, Tank Abbott's uh, overall rating. We also get people sending in hashtag tank facts, and you're more than welcome to do that. For example, uh, George Burns sent one in that said, uh, there used to be a street named Tank Abbott, but they had to change the name for public safety because nobody crosses Tank Abbott and lives. <laughs> Very true. The, uh, the pavement was known to slap people who were trying to cross the road. Yeah, and Fox at Grapple Arcade said that Tank Abbott can smell tears, can peel a carrot with his shadow, and can chew water. Yeah, that's like, if you've never seen it, it's a sight to be old, but it's all standard tank behaviour. <laughs> it just is. You know, I, I don't make the rules. Tank <laughs> Abbott does. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about movies that are 25 years out of date or wrestling that are six weeks out. I just did that the wrong way around for no good reason. I think I might be pissed. Um, you can also hear me on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell, which will be at the time you listen to this, well into season two by now. And uh, Cy will be picking the new Who, I'll be picking the old Who. The reverse was true in season one, so go give that a listen. But we'll be seeing what lands for either of us and our guests in season two. So keep your ear to the ground if you like Doctor Who. But that's it for today. I'm drunk. I'm going to go to sleep. Thank you, Lee, for joining me. Thank you, Rob, as always, for putting up with me. And we'll see you soon. Keep listening. You know, Mikey the Cure is just about the best team I've ever seen. They're about the best team in the world. I don't know what to do with it. They, they do this thing with the arm and they turn you upside down and they kick you and they did the magnum cum laude up the top and they, 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 they kick you again and a fire in the face and, they, and the, the, the devil comes out of the whole thing and it's, it's a weapon and then they keep, they keep kicking you and they're, the, they're, they're nearly impossible to beat. Except by one team, the ECW Tag Team Champions, the FBI. So, why am I ever getting any lines to say? What's going on here? Now watch this guy, he's a glory hound. You are a glory hound. You might have some problems, buddy.